if we can make it about people, if you will pour into people as a leader, people will make you right when you're wrong. Okay. If you don't pour into people, they'll make you wrong when you're right. I would much rather be made right when I'm wrong than wrong when I'm right. Welcome to the Next Level Leader Podcast, where I want to help you escape average and lead at the next level. There's more in you, and it's time that you learn to lead at your full potential. So join me on this next level journey as we learn to escape average one day at a time. It's time to grow to the next level. The world is waiting. All right, welcome to episode number 12 of the Next Level Leader podcast. Today, I'm joined by Corey Laster, a great friend and a great leader who's going to interview me not only about my new book, Next Level Leader, but we're also going to talk about the making of a Next Level Leader and how, as a leader, you can be right even when you're wrong. It was an absolute blast of a conversation, and I think it's going to add a lot of value to you today. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Corey Laster. All right, Corey, thanks so much, man, for uh, for joining us today for the Next Level Leader podcast. Uh, we've known each other for a really long time. You're someone who I would call one of my best friends absolutely in the world. And it's really cool to have you do this today, to have you interview me about the book, because when I wrote Next Level Leader, that was during five years of leading you as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to see the the best and the worst about me. Leading volunteers <laughs> is hard, man. Um, but we were able to really connect on a vision for what God had called us to. I had a ton of fun leading with you and we're so great friends to this day. Absolutely. But I think what makes it more important, what makes it bigger to me is that you're one of the few names right in the front of the book, um, where I'm thinking my wife, I'm thinking you because dude, for, for years in this writing process took me way too long. You would ask me every single week, Jeff, are you writing? How's the book coming along? And you give me the tough love when I need it. You, you, know, you believed in me and believed in the message enough to say you have to get this out to help other leaders. So if anybody is qualified to interview me about both the good, the bad, and the ugly of my leadership and whether this book is real, uh, whether people should listen to it or not, it's you. So thanks so much for joining us today and being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Uh, you know, for the past few years, it's really been a pleasure of mine to be able to walk with you, to learn with you and learn from you, most importantly, yeah. of ways to become a next level leader. It's just been a phenomenal and such a eye opening and inspiring journey to watch you grow from the person Thanks, that I met to the person who wrote this book, who's become such a influential person in my life. So I just want to thank you for the yeah. opportunity and the honor to be someone who was able to see that firsthand. Well, I appreciate it, man. The honor goes both ways. And I hope that I am significantly better than when I started leading you. Um, I would say the last five years of my life has been a leadership transformation like none other because of the process of first living this book and then writing it so that other people could experience it too. So I'm going to turn the mic over to you. You're going to be the guy who's interviewing me today. So you got questions. I don't know what these questions are. This is going to be the first time that I've heard them. So uh, go ahead, man. You shoot. And I'm excited to get into the uh, into the meat of the interview today. So here's your host, Corey Lester. <laughs> well, thank you again, Jeff. You know, it's been such a great honor to watch as you've grown. And I wanted to first ask, when did you decide this was something you needed to do? Not want it, need it. Yeah. Before I knew it was a book. Um, so I get this question a lot. But when I first came to the church that we were serving at, Faith Promise Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. 
I was moving from leading a student ministry of about 100 on, a, on its best day to leading a ministry where we were seeing over 500 you know, people a, a week, but over 1,000 a month. There were hundreds of volunteers. And this really started with, I knew I needed to grow and develop if I was going to keep my job. If, <laughs> if, I, if people were not going to look and go, oh gosh, we made a mistake. He doesn't know what he knows um, or what we thought he knew. I was going to have to develop. So this really started, it wasn't an idea of, hey, I want to write a book. It was more of an idea of, I don't want to be exposed. That imposter syndrome, I've never done anything this big. How am I going to accomplish it? Um, so really out of that vulnerability, I just started calling anybody who would listen and saying, hey, help me understand what separates average leaders from those who go to the next level. And um, man, it's I started trying to put all those things into practice. I noticed repeating patterns that people were saying really the same 15 things over and over again. Yeah. And I just started putting it in practice in my life. Um, I'll never forget one of the first things that I, I heard was stop leading backwards. And the guy who told me that it was probably the week before I showed up at Faith Promise and met you. He said, stop leading backwards. Most leaders, they make a decision of what they think is the best way to move forward. They put it into practice. And then when it doesn't work, they ask for feedback. Right. Because everybody knew it wasn't going to work. Right. And you just didn't know. He said, don't lead backwards, Jeff. I'll never forget it. His name's Ricky Ortiz. He said, Jeff, listen first, ask questions, find out what the people around you know, then formulate a plan around what they said was wrong, what you could do to fix it, and then move forward with a plan that everybody's behind. So um, as I was learning and walking through this process, I was getting buy-in from, you know, from all of our leaders, getting to know people, and really over the next couple of years, saw some incredible things happen. People started knowing a started noticing a difference in my leadership, and then from there, that was when I realized it was actually a couple of years in. People were noticing a difference in my leadership. I was being pegged for future promotions. People were asking me questions. I started consulting across the country, and that was when I realized I can't keep this to myself. This has got to be a book uh, because people need it. Everybody that I've ever met in leadership wants to get better. Definitely. Most of us don't know how because we've never seen it modeled. Right. Like leadership development. We talk about it all the time. But what does it look like? How? Like practically, how do I develop as a leader? And unfortunately, man, you can read, you know, you can read the best books out there. And there's a lot more what and not so much mm -hmm. how. OK, Absolutely. so I wanted to write a book that was the how that said I'm not an expert, but this changed my life. It can change your life, too. And here's a concrete how how you approach it. But the cool part was you and I are going to approach it two very different ways. The same approach is going to give you a way different path than me. And that's what I wanted too. was I wanted to share it, didn't want to hold it to myself, but I wanted it to be customizable that anybody could pick it up no matter where they're at as a leader and get a customized blueprint that says we all approach it the same way, but how you're going to develop is going to be different. But I wanted this one to be really practical. So when someone picks it up, they know exactly how they're going to develop as a leader and, and what's going to make that difference. One of the things that, you know, I, I don't know if you know this, but one of the things that really drew me to you was in the book, actually, is somewhere you talk about putting a 10 on everyone's forehead. Yeah. And putting a 10 on someone's forehead until they're able to prove you wrong. Mm -hmm. I never saw myself as a 10. However, but through your friendship and through the relationship that we had, yeah. you put a 10 on my forehead. And it actually awakened something in me that made it so much easier for me as a leader to grow. First, mm -hmm. to see myself as a leader, but then also yeah. to be able to grow, to become the leader that you saw in me. How do you do that when it's so difficult or so easy for us to say, 
Oh, that person's yeah. not worth that investment. Well, I mean, honestly, it's 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 a shift in the way we see leadership. Um, leading by definition means I'm taking someone from where they're at and I'm leading them to a new place to accomplish a goal, right? So if I can only lead people who are already tens, then I'm not a leader. I'm, I'm a manager, right? And you don't need me. You really just need all those people with tens. Right. But if I'm going to be a leader, it means I have to take people somewhere they haven't seen yet. Okay. Right. So, I, man, I just started looking at it a, a few years ago because it wasn't natural to me. It wasn't natural for me to see what was right with a person. My natural mindset's hypercritical. Like the people who are closest to me and you know it now, you didn't know it then, but you know how sarcastic I am. Mm -hmm. You know how critical I am. When I walk into a room, I don't see what's right. I see what's wrong immediately. Right. And I have to think through and filter how can I be helpful? Right. How can I bring this in a way where people see it's helpful? But um, I didn't see people for what they could be for a long time and finally realized that's exactly why I'm a leader. The, the reason why I'm needed as a leader is because I have to be able to see something in people they don't see in themselves. So when I meet someone, I cannot lead them. I can't talk to them about development. I can't challenge them until I first found out what makes them special. So, and I even keep it like with individual meetings. If I'm going to give you a negative criticism, man, I need to give you seven positives first. And if I can't find those positives, I'm not ready to lead you, right? I'm not because my job is to see something that's not there. So um, I've started walking into really every person in every relationship when I meet someone of saying, hey, I can't lead them. I haven't earned that right until I know what's special about them. And then when I find out what's special about you, my job is to paint a picture of what could be and what should be that captivates you to let out what's inside of you. Because Corey, everybody's got something great inside of them. Every single person who's listening to this podcast right now, every single person that you meet, they have something great inside of them that God put there to be a gift to the world. But until somebody tells them, we don't notice it. We're so close that all we notice is the insecurities. All we notice are the problems. We're our worst, our own worst enemy, our own worst critic, right? So as a leader, my job is to cut past that and say, okay, what's there? And then when I find what's there, call it out. And only after I begin to get you to believe that can I actually start leading you anywhere. Because otherwise, all I'm doing is feeding into what you already think is not there. So am I wrong sometimes? Yeah. Do I think some people are tens who are sevens? Yeah. But for the most part, people rise to the level of our expectations. And most people, Corey, are exactly, most leaders are not the leader they need to be or want to be today because they're still playing those old soundtracks of what other leaders have told them their whole life. We're not held back by the positives we didn't reach. We're held back by the, the negative arrows that people shot that we believed for too long. So if I'm going to lead, I got to do something different. Average leadership is let me tell you what's wrong and what you need to do to fix it. But next level leadership is let me tell you what's in you that you don't see yet and how you can step into it. That's what the book's all about, is about finding those things that aren't special yet, but are so close and saying, hey, did you know this is inside of you? Step into it. If you step into it, it'll change your life. So um, I put that 10 on people's foreheads and I try to put above that. You know, these days I would try to say I put 100 on people's foreheads. I try to paint a picture that's so big that it almost scares them, but then say, hey, if you'll, if you'll come along, I'll help you get there. Because my job's not to accomplish anything as a leader. My job is to accomplish everything I accomplish through you. Well, I'll tell you, um, for those of you who have not had a privilege to know Jeff on a personal level, um, one of the things that he really did well for me was to 
believe in me way beyond what I believe in myself. And anyone who's had the privilege of getting to know me often says things that I still refuse to believe about myself. And they're always things that I end up pointing back to you. Um, not because there was anything that you did yeah. that was special, but the fact that you gave me the strength to see it in myself. And I just, I, I, I will always be in your debt because hmm. of how much you believe in me. Um, it's just, it's meant the world. And if nothing yeah. else, wow. this book shows so much of what a person can be because yeah. If if it wasn't for like reading this, were all things that I already knew because I had a privilege of walking with you. Yeah. However, it all every single thing that I read was a wow. I can't believe how much of an impact that has made on me. So yeah. if you've read this book, read it again. Find someone who needs this because we all are leaders. We all have something right. that is deep inside of us that should be um, shared with someone else. Yeah, that's good. <sighs> Can you tell me um, one of your most vivid memories of me in leadership and where I was as opposed to where you wanted me to be? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Corey, everybody knows when you walk into the room because you got a big personality, you know, and it's, it's something that, you know, and that you leverage. But we were we were leading in student ministry together when I first met you. And I'll never forget the first time I was at student ministry with you. Um, we got to toward the end of the night and I'm a guy that, you know, I'm the type of leader that whether it's, whether it was at student ministry, whether it's at a conference I'm speaking at, um, it really doesn't matter if I'm somewhere with people, I can't be with all of them at one time, right? I've got, I've got stage responsibilities. Um, I did the same thing at a leadership conference. I was at just a month or so ago, but what I can do is I can be available when it's done. And I, I will stand in the back of the room until Anybody who's wanted to talk to me has talked to me because availability is one of the best gifts you can give as a leader. And sometimes all it takes is one conversation. So I'm sitting there thinking the first night, this is where the magic's about to start happening. All the students are going to leave, but I'm going to stay here. And there's probably four or five conversations with leaders that they're going to wait to have until I'm here afterwards. So I knew the night was just getting started. I'm going to be there for probably three more hours because that's just that's how I lead. But you were used to a different way of leading and it was about time to go. And uh, so I remember I'm getting ready to turn it on and you walk into the lobby and you just start yelling at the top of your lungs. <laughs> it's nine o'clock. Get out of here. It's time to go, you know. And uh, man, people were just scurrying. They were absolutely scurrying. And um, I had to take you aside and, you know, we just started having conversations. But it was months later. I didn't do it that night. Months later, I took you aside and I was like, hey, they need to know you love them even when you're telling them to leave. Even when you're giving them the hard news, even when you're saying it is time, they need to know that you love them and that that's what you're doing. So um, I think that was the biggest challenge, but that was the biggest memory was the first time that I really got to know you. You were boisterous, yelling out, giving instructions. But now to watch you with some of the same people, that you're the one who is looking and seeing the intentionality of moments. Hey, did you know you're, you're the one that's bringing other people along and saying, did you know that there's a moment that we could easily miss, but we don't have to here? There's a moment that we could capture that could change somebody's life. So um, really watch you move from um, really just seeing the big picture to being a person who's looking for intentional moments to change someone's life and that you recognize those. And now I'll often see you pull people to the side. Yeah. You'll pull leaders to the side and say, hey, 
Do you know there's a moment you missed right there? Let me show you what that is. And so for someone who had really kind of a, a gruff personality as from a leadership style, when I met you, you now are one of the softer leaders I know with people that you're close to, because you'll pull them aside. You'll have the hard conversations in an easy way because it's, it's all about relationships. So seeing you grow in both your intentionality and the relational part of leadership, it's all about how you can move people and connect with people. I think it's how I've seen you grow the most. Absolutely. Well, thanks. Cause you know, like you say it, this wasn't anything that I knew. It was very, very yeah. strict by nine o'clock. We should be going home. And, you know, through our years of ministry together, we, I very soon learned that ministry doesn't end at nine o'clock. Sometimes it ends at 1130, <laughs> 12 o'clock. And yeah. more than just learning that I had to, I became comfortable in it and yeah. became uh, adaptable and able to um, just be able to walk in that and feel the comfort of that going from being, Hey, it's nine, it's time to go to, Oh my gosh, it's only 1130 and we still have this much more to do. That's right. So it's just, it's been a great opportunity to be able to grow in that. And it was something that is a, I think a very minute thing, mm -hmm. but after you opened my eyes to that seemingly careless error that I had, uh, I've learned that that's the best way to communicate. And it's something that anyone who knows me now is very keen on is that yeah. time doesn't matter. Uh, the conversation, the intentionality, That's that, right. that moment is what's going to always be. Because leadership's about people. If if we were hiring leaders to do tasks, we just hire people to do tasks. We don't hire leaders to do tasks and accomplish things. We hire them to move and motivate and inspire people. So if we're not taking that time to intentionally be about the relationships and the people, we're not leading, we're producing the people who produce end up costing you more in the long run. Leaders who just produce and don't actually motivate, inspire, develop the people behind them, they cost you more because when they're gone, the production stops. Right? A great leader is someone, an X-level leader is someone who the production doesn't stop when they leave because other people are moving that forward. Other people are doing that. And actually, the, the last few stops that I've had, ministries continued to go forward after I left. Um, usually until another leader, the only thing that stopped it is when another leaders come in and said, Hey, let's lead differently. Let's focus on the things and the task. And then you start seeing it go backwards. But I remember one of the, um, the, the place I left when I came to lead at faith promise, um, man, the, the student ministry there grew over the next year led by only volunteers. It got better. Yeah. So the insecurity in me could have said they didn't even need me. It got better when I left. But the reality was it continued getting better because the people who I poured into knew how to lead on their own. And it didn't go backwards until, you know, someone you came in and there was kind of a new set of standards and, and those things kind of that, that, that trust or belief in people kind of got broken a little bit. So if we can make it about people, if you will pour into people as a leader, people will make you right when you're wrong. OK, if you don't pour into people, they'll make you wrong when you're right. I would much rather be made right when I'm wrong than wrong when I'm right. Definitely. I mean, you know, that is, I think is something that's just a, a key to life. I yeah. would always rather be proven wrong about mm -hmm. someone now. And I don't know if yeah. that was before, but I definitely know now I would rather someone me over believe in someone and them under deliver than for me to under believe in someone and them over deliver. So yeah. I just I want to know what is something that you know about leadership that you've learned in the past year? What yeah. is something you've learned? In the past year? Yes. Uh, man, well, in the past year, there's been so much going on because I took a different role than I've ever taken. 
started doing more consulting and coaching. And then out of the pandemic, you know, really right in the middle of it in January. So I'm going to jump and I'm going to leave full-time ministry and go full-time into coaching, consulting on my own business. And, um, it's really been a couple of things that I already knew, but I didn't know them to this level. So I think you can, you can learn things in layers and you can learn things to deeper levels. So I knew that leadership wasn't about a title, but I'd always had a title. Right. And, uh, I've had to learn leadership's not about a title because my title right now of CEO, the CEO of a company of one, right? So my title doesn't mean anything, but I'm leading more people than I've ever led without having a title over them. I don't have a leadership title over anybody but my kids, but I'm leading more people than ever. Hundreds and thousands of people a month I'm getting to lead and realizing leadership has nothing to do with a title or a position. So to a whole different level, Leadership has to do with your availability to pour into people, your availability to move people from here to there. They don't have to be in your organization. They don't have to know you. If you can move them from here to there, you're a leader. And if you got a title, but you're not moving them from here to there, if they're not getting better because of you, then you're doing something else. It's not leading. It's probably a good acting job. So I think that's been one part of it. And then the other part is what we've already been talking about, but the importance of relationships. Um, because a, a lot of what I do now, I'm either coming into uh, a nonprofit or a church where I don't know anybody, right? right. Um, or a business where I don't know anybody and I'm having to build relationships quick or I'm doing coaching, consulting over Zoom and I'm having to build relationships with people I don't know over a digital space to the point to where they trust me because trust is the currency of leadership. So to a whole new degree, I've learned that relationships are a million times more important than I thought when I wrote in the book. If you read what I wrote in the book, you know that relationships are the most important part of ministry. You and I have been talking about them being the most important part of ministry, but now it's, it's a race, whether it's in a digital space or a new place, it's a race to see how quickly I can learn what a person's thinking and believing and call out what could be. Um, Because I have to get them to believe in themselves, have to get them to trust me. And if I don't, I can't lead them. But if I can, if I can connect with people, regardless of where I'm at, across distances, across digital spaces, if you can connect with people, you can lead them. And if you can't connect with them, you can't lead them. So it's all about that connection. And um, I've really learned that my goal in leadership is different. My goal is not to specifically move you toward whatever goal you're asking for. It's not to move you from here to there. It's not to ace the contract. My goal is to get you to walk away and say, I believe more about myself or my organization is full of people who believe more about themselves than ever because Jeff was here. Because if people believe in themselves, they believe in their leader and they believe in the mission, you're going to accomplish whatever you need to accomplish. But if one of those is missing, if you have a great mission people believe in, you have a great leader they believe in, but they don't believe in themselves, you're going anywhere. If they believe in the mission in themselves, but don't believe in their leader, you're not going anywhere. If they believe in themselves and their leader, but not the mission, you're not going anywhere. But if they believe in themselves, their leader, and the mission of the company they work for, that's a special culture that's cultures can move forward. So whether it's an individual I'm coaching, whether it's a friend that I'm getting to lead, whether it's a you know a thousand member organization that I'm getting to walk into, I want to leave and everyone to say the belief level in all three areas, ourselves, the mission and our leadership rose because if it rose, then it doesn't actually matter what the goal is. They're going to hit it. So the key is I don't focus on the goal. I focus on the culture. If your culture's good, 
And if you're leading a business, a church, you need to hear this. If your culture's good, your people will make you right, even when you don't mm. know the right answer. If your culture's poor, it doesn't matter what you do right, it's going to keep showing up that something's wrong. All right, that's it for episode number 12. In episode 13, we're going to continue in part two of our conversation with Corey Laster. We're going to continue the conversation about culture and its importance, as well as how to multiply your leadership impact across multiple generations. Your leadership impact can go far beyond you, and we actually talk about how. Don't miss that because the conversation is just heating up. Part two is going to drop next week. We'll see you for episode 13.